So what have I found that all great British-made businesses have in common over the last 100 episodes? Listen to this one and you'll find out. You're listening to the Make It British podcast. I'm Kate Hills and I'm on a one-woman mission to save UK manufacturing. I invite you to join me every Tuesday and Friday when I'll be sharing the stories behind some of the best British-made brands and UK manufacturers and offering you advice on making in the UK. Let's crack on with the show. Hello and welcome to episode 100 of the Make It British podcast. Well, I never thought I would actually get to episode 100. So can we cue the fanfare music? Yay! So I'm here today with your 100th episode of the Make It British podcast. Firstly, I want to say a massive thank you to everyone that has listened to any or every of these episodes that I have brought to you over the last year. Two episodes a week and once in January, I actually did five in one week and I never thought I would do it. So thank you everyone for listening and for your lovely comments and reviews. If you hadn't have been leaving those reviews that have kept me going, I probably would never have got to 100. There's been some sticky moments where I haven't almost got an episode out, when I've had to record things in hotel rooms on holiday, and when my poor editor James has probably been tearing his hair out when I have sent him loads and loads of little files from very noisy factories, um, audio files that he's had to untangle and unpick and turn into an episode that you, my dear listener, can listen to. So thank you very much. And as a big thank you, I'm doing a very special giveaway for one person who listens to this episode, one lucky person. I'm going to be sending them a case of my favourite English sparkling wine. So if you want to be in with a chance of winning that case of English sparkling wine, here's what you need to do. Just hop over to iTunes and leave me a five-star review, please, saying why you love listening to this podcast. Take a screenshot of that review once you've left it and then send it via direct message to me on Instagram with that image showing your review. If you've already left a review in the past, then just screenshot that and send it to me. Everyone is in with a chance of winning this case of English sparkling wine, which will be winging its way to someone just in time for Christmas. So I'm going to pick one person out at random from all the reviews that are left. So if you want to get a case of English sparkling wine, even if you don't drink, you can give it to someone else as a gift for Christmas. Please leave me a little review. Tell me why you love this podcast and you'll be in the prize draw, which I will draw just in time for Christmas to send someone that English sparkling wine. So over the last 99 episodes, we have heard from UK manufacturers, British-made brands, shopkeepers, trade associations, and people that are passionate about making in the UK. I've been inside factories, I've been all over the UK and I've talked to some fascinating people who all love what they do. 
So I thought what I'd do today was run you through the 10 things that I have learned over the last 100 episodes that make British-made businesses great. But before I do that, I just wanted to let you know that if you haven't listened to all the episodes and you want an easy way of finding which are the right episodes for you or the ones that you want to listen to on a theme that interests you, I've put together a handy guide to all 100 episodes, which you can find on the Make It British website at makeitbritish.co.uk forward slash podcast hyphen episodes. And there you'll find a list which you can sort by all sorts of different themes, such as um, factory visits or whether you're a startup or you want manufacturing advice or advice on labelling in the UK. And there you'll be able to find a link to each one of those episodes. So I'll put the link for that handy list in the show notes for this podcast. So you can go back and catch up and listen to a few. And also, I thought I'd let you know that there's going to be a little gap between this episode, which is the end of series one, and the start of series two, which will happen at the beginning of January. So there's going to be a little break, though I might sneak in a couple of little bonus episodes in that time. So if you want to make sure you catch those bonus episodes and the start of season two, make sure that you're subscribed to the Make It British podcast in whichever is your favourite podcast app. So now let's get on to my list of the 10 things that make British made businesses great based on the lessons that I have learned over all the interviews and episodes that I've done in the last 100 episodes of the Make It British podcast. Let's cue that fanfare music again. So number one that comes up again and again with people that I've interviewed on this show is that manufacturers are partners to British-made businesses and not just suppliers. That word partner has come up again and again. When I've interviewed British-made brands, they always say, my manufacturer is my partner. So if you want to make a product in the UK, you need to completely change your mindset of how you think about your suppliers. You're not working with a faceless factory in the Far East that you're pinging off emails to, but you're getting into a partnership with another British business. And that's such an important part of your brand's DNA if you make in the UK. Some of the episodes in which we talk about partnerships in particular was my little visit to the factory in North London with Katia Wildman to her manufacturing partner. And that was episode number 10 in which she talked about how she reshored her production to the UK and developed a great partnership with her manufacturer in North London. There was also Sean Reiki, who was episode number 23 of the Hetty Company, who has a great partnership with her manufacturer. And then there was Tom Glover in episode 72, who's the founder of Peregrine Clothing, who had such a fantastic relationship with his factory that when they got into a little bit of trouble, he bought into the factory in order to make sure that he sustained their business. The second thing that I found that's important to all of these great British made businesses is transparency. 
The word transparency has come up again and again. It is key when you're manufacturing in the UK. There's no coincidence, I don't think, that the campaign Who Made Your Clothes, which is run by Fashion Revolution, features so many pictures from British-made factories holding up their signs saying, I made your clothes, when it comes to that time of year when they have the Fashion Revolution campaign and they ask people to show who is the person behind the label. And so many brands in the UK get involved with that. They want to say, we're proud that we're a UK manufacturer and we're making your clothes. Quite often, those manufacturers are also social enterprises. Great examples of this, Jenny Holloway from Fashion Enter, who I interviewed in episode 21. That's a great interview. Go back and listen to Jenny. She's so passionate about what she does. She has a factory in North London that she set up um, after originally being a buyer, a fashion buyer. And she does such great work with developing skills in UK fashion manufacturing. So that is really worth going back and having a listen to. Also, Adam Robertson from Colopsia Collective, which was episode 51. His business is a social enterprise. And as a manufacturer, they're very transparent about how their pricing works, which I think is really important. And then there was the lovely Sophie Slater from Birdsong, who has another social enterprise where she works with lots of charities and women's organisations to make her clothes. So those are three great episodes to listen back to if you want to find out why transparency in the UK supply chain is so important. And then something else that is quite closely linked with transparency is sustainability. And now more than ever, sustainability is starting to come to the forefront when it comes to manufacturing, particularly when it comes to things like fashion and textile products. And carbon footprint is obviously so much lower if you're making in the UK. I've done a couple of episodes about why sustainability is important in UK manufacturing. And I've interviewed several people who've talked about it being core to their business or that they're changing their business to make it more sustainable. For instance, Ian McLean from John Smedley, who I interviewed in episode 12, he's taken a very old and traditional business and brought it into the 21st century by making it more sustainable and changing the way they work. That's a really interesting interview. That's worth having a listen to. And also Mick Chima, who is a garment manufacturer in Leicester, who I interviewed in 31. A very passionate person about making in the UK and making sure that his factory does things properly and sustainably. Another thing that I've noticed coming up again and again, which I've got as my point number four, is that supply chains are getting shorter and manufacturers are getting much closer to the end consumer. In other words, wholesale is becoming dead in the water. The UK manufacturers and brands that make in the UK, if there's one thing that they all definitely have in common is that they're a very enterprising bunch. It does cost more to make in the UK. And that means that in order to get a product to the end user at a, an agreeable price for everyone that works for everyone, where the manufacturer is making a margin and the brand is making some money and the end consumers getting a product at a price that they seem think is fair for the quality that they're purchasing, Brands are having to look outside of the traditional wholesale model and finding new ways of reaching the customer. So we've heard stories of brands that are selling through fairs and markets or Kickstarter 
or just changing the whole retail model altogether. I think there's no episode that's been more typical of this and that illustrates this more. And it's probably why it's the most popular episode that we've done. And that is the one with James Eden from Private White, which was actually episode number two when he talked about how he was boycotting Black Friday. So go back and listen to that if you want to find out why UK manufacturers are starting to work much more directly with the end consumer. And that also is true for manufacturers who are now developing their own brands and not just making um, not just making private label products for other people. So more and more manufacturers that I go and visit now are actually developing their own retail arm as well as just doing private label work for other people. And lots of the manufacturers that I have interviewed have said that as well. And I suppose Private White, in a way, led the way with that as being one of the first kind of true factory brands where a factory who had traditionally always made for other people and hid their light under a bushel, then developed their own brand. Um, and that's what they did at Private White because previously they were called Cooper and Stoll brand and they're a factory in Manchester. So go and have a listen to that episode. That's number two with James Eden from Private White. And I think the wholesale model as we know it is going to be one to watch going forward and how that's going to change and how UK manufacturers and British brands are going to start selling to the end consumer. I think more and more we're going to see there's ways of buying directly from the manufacturer, be that through social media or their own websites or fairs or Kickstarter. So that's definitely one to watch. And that is my number four. Controversially called Wholesale is Dead. So number five on my list is that so many UK manufacturers and British brands, one of the reasons that I think makes them great is that they are family businesses. So when you're buying something that is made in the UK or from a UK manufacturer, you are very often supporting a family business. That business has often been passed down through many generations. And sometimes the member of the family that is now at the helm of the business has actually left manufacturing and come back to it. So they thought, I don't want to work in, in the family business. Manufacturing, I think it's dead. You know, I'm going to go and find a job working in the city or doing something like that. But actually, they're starting to come back and they're running the family businesses in new and different and innovative ways. And they're the reason that UK manufacturing is doing so well at the moment, because they have that knowledge and that history of running the family business. They saw their parents and their grandparents do. And they've also got a new way of looking for things because they've gone into a different career and come back to it. But if you're buying something from a UK manufacturer, just think you're quite often buying something from a family business. Some great examples of interviews that I've done for that. We, I mean, There were so many. We've had Edward Sexton from Glencraft in episode number 12. He's a family business. Martin Lowe from Roy Lowe & Sons, the family sock makers, who was episode number 47. Peter Phillips from Abbey England in episode 54. Lance Mitchell from Mitchell Interflex in episode 55. He's a weaver based up in Lancashire. And Chris Woodford from a family footwear making business in Northampton, from Crown Northampton, who was episode 88. There's just some of the 
family businesses that I've interviewed on this show in the last 100 episodes and I'm sure there will be many more of those to come. The next thing that I have noticed and that is really important to great British made businesses is that authenticity is so important. And I think the reason that so many UK brands are doing so well right now is because they are being authentic and being true to themselves and they're showing behind the scenes of their brands and they're making it a part of their brand's DNA. And no one is a better example of that than Simon Middleton, who is a bit of a serial British-made brand business starter. Now, Simon has been on the show twice now. So he's I think he's the only person who's been on the show twice. I interviewed him in episode 43, which is the only episode so far where someone's oven has gone off because they were baking bread. Um, so we had we had an interview with him um, then. And then also um, he did a fantastic talk at Make It British Live in 2019. And the recording of his talk was episode number 74. So if you want to know how to launch a great British made business, Simon Middleton is your man. Now, where would a list of what makes British made businesses great, where would that list be if we didn't mention the words craftsmanship and skills? So important to UK manufacturing. It's one of the reasons that I do what I do is because I love the craftsmanship that still exists in this country. And I love interviewing the people who are the craftsmen or who support those craftsmen and the skills in all the different ways that they do. It's the keeping of those skills alive in the UK and the fact that there are people that care about doing that and they and they do that so well. It's that that will help UK manufacturing continue to thrive and people that are passionate about it should really should be supported. Jenny Holloway, again, is a great example. She's got a skills training academy in North London and she does great work to support the skills of UK garment workers. So that was episode 21. We've got Kate Dawson, who did a very passionate talk about skills and craftsmanship at our Make It British Live event. And you can hear the recording of that in episode 64. Or people like Keith Hanshaw, who's a leather craftsman who runs the Leather Satchel Company. And I spoke to him in episode six. And Genevieve Sweeney, a knitwear designer who support, supports the knitwear craftspeople um, based in Scotland with the knitwear that she makes. And finally, Barbara Burton. You have to listen to Barbara Burton's passionate talk in episode 70 about how and why she set up her business behind bras to give skills to those women who are in prison and give them lifelong skills that will also help the UK textile industry. So that was Barbara Burton in episode 70. Following on very nicely from craftsmanship and skills, my next point is about quality and longevity and about UK manufacturers striving to be the very best that they can be. Because you don't buy a product that's made in the UK to throw away. You buy it because it's made to last. So a great example of that and someone I was really delighted to interview 
was Joel Chudley from May to Last. That was in episode 82, who has built his whole brand's DNA around the fact that he only sells products that have got very, very long guarantees on them and that are truly made to last. And it's therefore no surprise that all those products that he sells are also made in Britain. So that was Joel in episode 82. We've also got businesses like Fermin and Sons, and I interviewed the delightful Tony Kelly in episode 77, who is the Queen's button maker. And Fermin and Sons have been, they, I think he describes them as the oldest manufacturer in the UK. And the reason they have lasted so long is because they produce buttons of such exceptional quality that the business is made to last and it's been going for so many years. So if you want to hear the history of the Queen's button maker, listen to Tony Kelly in episode 77 when I went round the Furman and Sons factory. So at the other end of the spectrum from Furman and Sons, who are the oldest manufacturer in the UK, you have got one of the very newest, which is English Fine Cottons, who are the first cotton spinning mill in the UK for decades. And their business is built around producing the very best cotton yarn in the world. And Andy Ogden, who I interviewed in episode 33, took me on a tour around the mill and showed me what modern UK manufacturing really is all about. It's about being the very best. It's about producing quality products that are made to last. There's no point competing with mass manufacturing and the lowest end of the the product supply chain, but about producing really good, fine quality. And if that's in smaller volumes, then so be it, because you're producing something that is top quality and that will last. And that's what I love about going around to UK manufacturers is that you're seeing really beautiful quality products being made, not huge, great, big, faceless factories with hundreds of workers in there, but small workshops and studios producing really fine quality products. Some great examples of that was Richard Ince from Ince Umbrellas, who I interviewed in episode 96 when I went round his umbrella factory in East London. And also Elaine Stewart of Longthorn Guns, who's making the most exquisite shotguns that sell for tens of thousands of pounds in their state-of-the-art factory in Northampton. And I interviewed Elaine and went round the Longthorn Gun factory in episode 92. But there's probably several other episodes I've done as well that I think typify why British-made products are the very best and the best quality. And that is something that I'm sure you'll hear a lot more of in series two. So I've got number nine on my list here. In the words of Jesse J, it's not about the money. Because we all know if you want something made super cheap, you're probably better off going elsewhere. And if you contact me and say, can you find me a cheap manufacturer? I'm probably going to tell you to bugger off because it's not about making something in the UK super cheaply. It's not really about making something in the UK and trying to make loads and loads of money because the common theme that I hear from so many manufacturers and brands is they do it for other reasons other than just making a stonking load of profit and money. They do it for other reasons. They do it for keeping the skills alive. They do it because they believe passionately in what they do. They they 
don't have the great big profit margins of some of the bigger brands. But they do it for other reasons other than making huge amounts of money. They do it about it's about doing good and working with the right people and not just trying to make loads and loads of money. But then what happens quite often is the money does follow because people buy from them because they believe in what they're doing. And a great example of that is the boys from Hebtroco who are on episode 68 when they did a fantastic talk at Make It British Live 2019 entitled How to Make a Million Pounds in Brexit Britain. Now, as you'll hear from their talk, when the Hebtroco boys set out to launch their trouser business, they weren't thinking, hey, let's make a million pounds out of selling trousers. What they actually thought was, let's save this poor factory in our town that's got no work on and that needs some business and let's make some trousers. Let's make a few trousers to sell out to our mates and let's see how it all goes. And they never would have predicted that in a matter of just a few years, that would have turned into a million pounds turnover, which it did. But that followed. But because people love them and they loved their story and they bought into their story and they bought their trousers and then the money followed. Another story that I loved was Heraldic Pottery in episode 84, where they bought the Duchess Pottery business who were making the blanks for them to put their transfers on at Heraldic Pottery. And they wanted to keep that factory going. And when they heard that Duchess Pottery was looking for a buyer because the business wasn't doing so well, they stepped in to buy it to save the staff that were there. And I'm sure on paper, buying Duchess Pottery probably didn't look like a very attractive proposition to uh, a venture capitalist or an investor. But to Heraldic Pottery, it was about keeping those skills alive in Stoke-on-Trent, where they're based, and about saving that business. And I'm sure that they're going to have great success with the Duchess Pottery business. And finally, number 10 on my list about what makes British-made businesses great it's that they just wouldn't manufacture anywhere else. I'm sure quite often that most of the businesses that I have interviewed on this podcast have had some serious doubts about whether to continue making in the UK, but yet they all have. They've stuck with the UK manufacturing through thick and thin because it's they want to remain loyal to those businesses that they work with because it's convenient for them to make in the UK when it's on the doorstep and they find ways of making it work. And if that means that they have to then set up their own factories or buy into their factories in order to continue making in the UK, then they do so. I mentioned Tom Glover, who bought his factory, which was um, episode number 72, but also Tory Murphy, who was episode number 61, who talked about how she's now set up her own manufacturing unit to make her products. Or Catherine Hooker, who has been working with her manufacturer in East London right since the start of her business. And she's a well-known brand now, and she could quite easily just think, I could just make more money out of this by going overseas, but she hasn't. She said she wouldn't manufacture anywhere else. And that's episode number 35, if you want to listen to my interview with Catherine. So those are my 10 things that I have found are consistent across all of the businesses that I've interviewed over the last 99 episodes 
of this podcast. If you've got someone you'd like to hear me interview on season two, then do let me know. Drop me a DM on Instagram, along with that review that you're going to be writing, aren't you? And let me know who it is you'd like me to interview. Who would you like to hear from? Who that makes in the UK would you love to have on this podcast? And I will try and make that happen for you. And don't forget about that giveaway as well for writing that review. All you need to do is write the review in iTunes. Five stars would be much appreciated. Take a screenshot of that review and DM it to me on Instagram. And I'm going to be doing that draw at the beginning of December for one lucky person to win a whole case of English sparkling wine from my favourite English wine producer. So that's the end of episode 100. Thank you so much for listening to this podcast after over the last 52 weeks. I'll be back again very soon at the beginning of January with series two. Plus there might be another bonus or two between now and then. So don't forget to subscribe in your favourite podcast app and I will see you very, very soon. Bye bye. Thank you for listening to the Make It British podcast. I make an episode every Tuesday and Friday, plus there's also bonus episodes occasionally. So don't forget to subscribe in your favourite podcast app so that you get notified every time a new episode goes live. And if you enjoyed the show, I would really love it if you left me just a little review on iTunes. The more reviews this podcast receives, the more people will discover it and the more we can spread the word about making in the UK. Thanks once again for listening to the Make It British podcast. Bye bye.